0: Changes may be coming to Colby College's Title IX process in the coming weeks.
1: The Class of 2027 student government presidents have big plans
0: for this year. The House of Representatives is in recess following the ousting of its public speaker.
1: Weather records are continuing to be broken in Maine.
0: Plus, here, associate professor of economics, live today as we discuss the averted government shutdown and what other sh- another shutdown could look like for the state of Maine.
1: Those stories and more next on the Mayflower Hill News Hour. This is Christian and Andy. Stay with us. News, sports, traffic, weather, live from WMHP Waterville. It's the Mayflower Hill newscast. Good afternoon, this is Christian Gobo and Andy Lipton with the Mayflower Hill Newscast for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Colby students across campus are struggling to do their laundry. WMHB correspondent Alina Madhiarova reports laundry machines have been malfunctioning over the past couple weeks.
2: Washers and dryers are beginning to break in student dorms. The Associate Dean of Housing and Residential Education at Colby College, Dan Klein, says that this is bound to happen on any college campus.
3: People sharing these same units, they're constantly in motion, constantly moving, and just like any moving thing, they can and will break down.
2: To combat machine failures, Campus Life has a system where students can report laundry machines that need maintenance.
3: If machines are broken down, you're going to find a sticker right on the side of it, whether it's a washer, whether it's the dryer, it says exactly what to do. The website that you go to, which is with our partner, CSC Service Works, and then it'll give you a code for the exact machine. You'll enter that code. It'll say, oh, I know that 54TG is East Hall at Colby College. It'll be able to recognize that. And then you'll be able to select into a menu of what is or what you are seeing as an issue. And then that goes and is populated directly with our our vendor.
2: The next time a laundry machine breaks down, students can visit the website posted near each laundry machine to report a problem and get the machine fixed. This has been Alina Madyarova for WMHB News.
0: The Colby student government has high hopes for this school year. WMHB correspondent Garen Dilday reports newly selected class of 2027 presidents are looking to expand their involvement in the Waterville community.
4: Changes will be coming from the Student Government Association as new leadership from the class of 2027 takes a seat. Co-president Rebecca Anderson says the SGA plans to expand their role both on and off campus.
2: Uh, our, main, our main focus that both of us immediately could agree on, though, is just um, being engaged in the community here at Colby and then also finding ways to engage further with the Waterville community.
4: Anderson also hopes to further implement changes by adding new lighting to the campus and fixing laundry machines. Student government also invites Colby students to contribute their ideas. Co-president Chris Campbell says his door is always open. Well,
0: students are always allowed in SGA meetings for one. So if you really want to come, you can. And we always ask for other people's opinions when we're starting a new idea. We like
4: to go around. We like to see like what the consensus is from other people because it really is this group of people that matters. The co-presidents hope their open platform will allow people to express their concerns about life on and off campus. Students can also look out for an upcoming class dinner soon. This has been Darren Gilday for WMHB News.
1: A longtime Colby administrator will be retiring at the end of the month. Security administrative assistant Kathy Moody has worked at the college for 29 years and will be leaving on Friday, October 6th. Students and faculty are invited to visit her office on Friday to say goodbye.
0: Colby, what? Colby students are full of potatoes after this weekend's event. WHB correspondent Alina Madrarva reports the annual Potato Fest was a success.
2: The Student Programming Board is helping students to enjoy their weekends. This weekend, the Student Programming Board hosted the fifth inaugural Potato Fest. Student Programming Board support chair, Connor Minahan, says the event has grown significantly since its conception.
5: First year um, was just some people that love french fries, and so they bought 100 uh, fries at uh, Five Guys and just kind of like put them out and people ate them. And then now it's turned into this big thing where we get food trucks, um, and we have all different types of potatoes. We have gnocchi, we have pierogies. Uh, all different types of fries, just kind of anything that you could imagine relating to potatoes, we have it.
2: The Student Programming Board does much more than just organize the Potato Fest.
5: So Student Programming Board at Colby is a group that runs a variety of different events on campus. Uh, we run social events on weekends, so like Potato Fest. Um, and then we also host our big concerts during the fall and the spring. So we have 070 Shake coming soon for fall concert. In the past, we've had people like Macklemore, Young Gravy, Kesha.
2: There are plenty of future events planned in addition to concerts.
5: Tons of food trucks on the weekends. Um, Later in November, we're planning things like laser tag and things like that. Um, And then eventually in the winter, we're going to start planning buses to go um, skiing. Um, We'll send people to Portland.
2: Students can look for weekly emails from the Student Programming Board for information about upcoming events. This has been Alina Madyarova for WMHB News.
1: Taking a look at other news, the House of Representatives will be looking to elect a new speech, speaker after an unprecedented move yesterday. Representative Matt Gates filed a motion to vacate and Speaker Kevin McCarthy was removed from his position with a 216 to 210 vote. Eight Republicans and all Democrats supported the resolution. This will be the first time a Speaker has ever been ousted mid-term, and the House will be in recess until both parties can decide on a next move. Representative Patrick McHenry is the current acting Speaker and will be looking to nominate a new Speaker. McCarthy has announced that he will not be looking to run again.
0: The city of Waterville is getting closer to approving a new community paramedicine program. The City Council voted 7-0 to, to accept an $100,000 grant from the state government and $50,000 from a private donor. The money will go towards a new program to provide health care and food to those in need in Waterville. The Waterville Fire Department will partner with Northern Light Inland Hospital and visit people's homes or spaces like the Waterville Soup Kitchen where, where they will provide wound treatment and other forms of support. There will be a final vote to approve the program in the city.
1: WMHB News Time is 4.09. We'll be back with local sports and weather.
2: We all come together and stand together to serve our veterans. We invest in the latest technology.
1: We take the
6: time to train the next generation of doctors and nurses. We work together to make sure we heal their bodies and their minds.
7: This is our mission. More than 300,000 of us working as one, together with families and loved ones. No matter where they live in this country,
8: we'll be there.
6: We stand strong, united. Stand with us in caring for our veterans. Young people everywhere are making a difference.
7: Special Olympics has changed my life so dramatically. It's helped me a
1: lot to be fearless, you know, in the real world.
7: My friends I've made through Special Olympics
9: are the best people I've ever met in my life.
10: I truly realize that what I'm doing is for a great cause.
9: And it's not about disabilities, but it's about celebrating their abilities. I've made
0: a difference. Now it's your turn to make a difference.
4: Get involved at specialolympics.org. From Colby
1: athletics to the NFL, the Mayfire Hill newscast continues with WMHB sports. WMHB news time is 410. Checking WMHB Sports for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Colby Women's Soccer will be looking to secure their first win of the season against Middlebury College. Last week, the Mules hosted Tufts University. Colby goalkeeper M- M.K. Marshall was the star of the match, making eight crucial saves to keep the Mules in con- contention. After Tufts scored an early goal in the game, Colby was rescued by Samantha DeWitt, who scored a last-minute goal to end the game in a tie against Tufts. The Mules will host the Middlebury Panthers next Saturday at 11 a.m.
0: The 2030 World Cup will be held in an unprecedented format to celebrate a major milestone. FIFA announced today that the tournament will take place on more than one continent for the first time ever. Spain, Portugal, and Morocco will be the co-hosts, and each country will host one match to kick off the tournament. FIFA also reached an agreement to have staging games in Uruguay, Argentina and Paraguay. This will allow the 100th anniversary World Cup to begin where it started in Montevideo, Uruguay.
1: A Philadelphia 76ers point guard is continuing with the team despite a faulty relationship. James Harden accepted a 35.6 million dollar contract this year with the belief that the 76ers would trade him. However, management didn't. The point guard skipped media day on Monday and training day yesterday after no trade occurred. However, Harden Return to training camp with the rest of the team today.
0: Now for your local sports schedule. Women's Volleyball will play Tufts on Friday at 7 p.m. The men and women's crew teams will take part in the Queensland Snake Regatta in Worcester, Massachusetts at 9 a.m.
1: Mills Soccer will face Hamilton on Saturday at 11 for women and 2 p.m. for men.
0: Field hockey will play Hamilton on Saturday at 12 p.m.
1: It's currently 82 degrees in Waterville, and now it's time for your WMHB local weather forecast for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Today, it's uh, sunny and warm with a high of 82 degrees. Tonight, will be partly cloudy with a low of 56. Tomorrow, we're looking at uh, slightly lower temperatures, a high of 72 and a low of 57 with low clouds and fog. And this weekend, Tropical Storm Philippe will pass through the area Saturday night into Sunday, bringing periods of rain and potential flooding. And that's the news, sports, and weather. This has been Christian Gobo and Andy Lipton for 89.7 FM, WMHB, Waterville.
3: Think you're dealing with drug poisoning, chemical poisoning, food poisoning? Call the Poison Helpline first for fast, free advice from medical professionals.
11: Call 1-800-222-1222
3: anytime, anywhere. Save the number, save a life. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services.
6: There's a threat targeting America. One that's growing fast, but may still be hard to see. Lyme disease. Spread by tiny ticks, often smaller than the head of a pin, this dangerous disease is now more widespread than West Nile, tuberculosis, and HIV AIDS combined. And if left untreated, it can lead to arthritis, facial paralysis, and even memory and concentration problems, often called brain fog. As the threat of Lyme disease grows to more than 300,000 projected cases each year, it's time for us to target Lyme disease. That means checking for ticks when you've been outside, even in your own backyard. It means seeing a doctor if you experience the symptoms of Lyme disease, which can include joint pain, flu-like symptoms, fever, fatigue, or sometimes a bullseye-shaped rash. Set your sights on stopping Lyme. Learn how you can target Lyme disease at targetlyme.org.
1: And you're back on the Mayflower Hill News Hour. I'm Andy. I'm, I'm Christian. That's Andy. <laughs> Thanks, Andy. Um, we're here now uh, joined with Professor Tim Hubbard uh, in the Economics prof- uh, Department at Colby College. Here to discuss the, uh, the government shutdown this weekend, or averted government shutdown. It was, uh, it was a tense tense Saturday night. Uh, the deadline was at midnight, and a uh, bipartisan bill eventually passed but uh you know it was a close one it's only been extended now for the next next 45 days so 44 days as of today so november 17th um we'll need to as a government right re try to refund uh pass a new bill right and um and have to deal with that all over again <laughs> so um professor hubbard thank you for joining us
12: yeah nice to be here thanks for having me christian andy
1: we're not uh you know a lot of the news coverage we've been hearing recently is very uh you know more the political end uh speaker mccarthy in the house of republicans uh you know he uh, house of representatives sorry he was uh you know ousted this morning so um you know a lot of the focus has been on that and and more on the you know the 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 bipartisan sort of debate going on um but we thought it'd be interesting to take more of the, the economic approach here, right? <laughs> Something that I know nothing about really. And economics scares me to death. Same,
12: yeah.
1: <laughs> so, uh, I guess as, as the first question, how could we get to a point right where we were facing potentially a shutdown in, in the government on,
11: on Saturday night? Sure. So, um, maybe mechanically, let me give some context in, um, uh in the late 1800s there was something passed called the anti-deficiency act and it's been revised in the 1950s and 1980s but it essentially says that federal agencies can't spend money without approval from congress and when congress fails to enact these kind of appropriation bills which just give agencies budget authority you know it allows for payment from the u.s treasury then kind of non-essential functions At federal agencies must come to a stop, and that's what we call a government shutdown. Um, Specifically, in the context of this one, you probably have to go back to Earl.
1: I think we lost Professor Hubbard there. We'll try to get him uh, back on the air here, but um, in the meantime, I I did think it's it's I I don't know it's it's kind Professor Hubbard. Yep. Hey, hi. You're back. back. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we lost friend. Maybe it was the emergency alert system, something going on there. <laughs> oh, bummer. <laughs> um, sorry, continue.
11: Uh, did you lose me?
1: Just for a moment there, yes.
11: Okay, I was mentioning that you kind of got to go back to January of this year when we're about ready to um, face our first ever default by hitting our debt limit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Janet Yellen, the Secretary of the Treasury, takes kind of these big moves to stretch us out until early June. You know if the government runs out of funds then the treasury defaults on payments to bondholders or there's you know somehow fails to make some mandated payments that would be catastrophic that would send you know the the world economy into a tailspin so biden and um well former house speaker kevin mccarthy they negotiated something called the fiscal responsibility act and this was in june that it was signed as a condition that, um, Republicans want to kind of cut spending. And if you fast forward to last week, just context wise, the fiscal year for the government starts October 1st and runs through the end of September. So that's why this was kind of, um, coming to a a head over the last week. But, you know, you fast forward to then and, and there's a faction of house Republicans that actually want to spend less than what the fiscal responsibility um, act levels had had suggested, and yeah, it's kind of a surprise that the shutdown was avoided Saturday evening. Hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I I think to um, seeing Speaker McCarthy or former Speaker McCarthy um, removed after that, right? The motion to vacate that was that was filed. Um, a lot of, of pundits are suggesting and, and I think it's clear that uh, a lot of that came in part because of that bipartisan bill, right? the alienation of those um, of his own party right in in uh, in the house. So uh, yeah, no wild ride this this weekend. And I think you know, right now Patrick McHenry is the acting speaker and um, his first goal, right uh, the the house is in recess, right His first goal will to be be to uh, appoint a new, Speaker. So, uh, yeah. And then...
11: Yeah, it'll be an interesting ride. I mean, just if you remember, you know, well, to become Speaker, you have to have a majority of the House supporting you. And usually a party agrees on someone and supports that person. But there's been such kind of small margins in recent years. You know, there's a majority by a small number of seats. And what that means is everyone in the party really needs to be on the same side. You need all the votes from your party. And in instances like McCarthy um, every vote can be pivotal and so these extremists can feel empowered being able to kind of use that power and what it means is McCarthy had to give a lot of concessions to extreme
0: hopefully we get him back Tanya, we're <laughs> gotta do some bug fixing next uh, time yeah. well
1: you never know oh. oh professor are you still there It will be interesting to see um, what does happen when yeah. when we get uh, Professor Hubbard back on the phone in the second year. Um, the the question that I have in my head right is is the... oh Professor are you there again? No.
0: Well, he's just like fleeting, a fleeting memory. We're getting like bits and pieces and there. It.
1: Yeah. Um, no, yeah. the the question in my mind will be. Oh. Sure. Oh. oh, are you you're back? I think. <laughs> Yep, I'm with you. Okay, awesome. Um, sorry.
0: The phone's having some uh, technical difficulties.
1: But um, I, I guess kind of going into the, the next part of this now, right, we'll be looking ahead um, in the next 44 days, right, when we need to pass another bill. Um, what would be, again, if we head towards shutdown once again, what would be some of the, the effects of, of that?
11: Yeah, I mean... If if a government shutdown happens, federal employees are basically told not to report. They can, you know, get paid retroactively after the shutdown ends, but that's that's even pretty new since 2019. Um, There are some things that still happen, like essential services. So I'm thinking about, you know, doctors and nurses at federal hospitals or law enforcement. You know, border crossings are still staffed. The U.S. mail still goes out. Social Security payments still made. The Treasury still pays interest on U.S. debt. Um, Congress still gets paid, obviously. But there can be a lot of consequences of having a government shutdown. It can be disrupt. It can They range from being disruptive, like delays in passport applications and small business loans, national parks shutting down, um, statistical agencies being delayed in their reporting, but there can be um, real distributional consequences in these instances, and what worries me is that the most marginalized can be the ones who suffer the most. So, um, an example would—I heard um, the U.S. Se- agricultural secretary uh, Tom Vilsack talking about how you know most of the recipients of the Women, Infant, Children's, the WIC program, which is you know seven million people their benefits would be cut off in a matter of days they have like some contingent funds that would last a day or two but those people would have no other options for food support they'd have to go without and so it can be more than just a disruption and as a shutdown increases in length the consequences only ramp up um you know it wouldn't just be the WIC program but the snap benefit program and What worries me is that policymakers somehow become numb or the American public becomes numb because we're hearing about these so frequently. And it's frustrating because there's some real consequences. Real people are are being affected in real ways. Um, And so it can feel reckless and unnecessary Mm -hmm. to have these.
1: And I know the the last major shutdown was in 2018 which lasted for 35 days um where and those programs you were just talking about with the with the food supply and everything were those did that occur back in in you know 3 years are we talking here you know 4 years ago um or or how was that kind of um remedied
11: yeah you're right there's been there's been kind of like four of these shutdowns that lasted for more than a few days um, there was there was a time during the Clinton administration, during Obama, and then during Trump that was over the the border wall. Um, some agencies have reserves that allow them to like dip in and kind of smooth their way through these the lumpiness that a shutdown could provide, and well, well, could could challenge really not mm-hmm. not really providing anything. Um, but I don't know the specifics of which agencies, you know the National Gallery of Art? Are they allowed to stay open? Is Acadian able to dip into their reserves? Because that would be tragic to have a government shutdown if we're thinking locally. Um, Acadia would have to close its gates, and that'd be horrible, This, mm. you know, beautiful time of year.
1: And I, I did hear with some of the national parks, uh, if we had entered shutdown, they would have been able to, um, you know, the bathrooms would have been closed and, and any services would have been closed. Yeah,
12: and stuff. Visitors
1: potentially the the actual park though could have remained open, but that's one of those situational things again. So, um, you know, yeah. I think that's that's what kind of scares me about ep- economics, especially because you you don't know you know something happens, what's going to happen afterwards? You know, concretely.
11: Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously the stopgap kind of continuing resolution helps but even in an instance like that it provides a lot of uncertainty for government agencies just think about like trying to plan think about disruptions to hiring and i saw some statistic that said there'd been 47 of these continuing resolutions Mm. from since 2010 so this is happening with an increased frequency too which is
1: worse yeah uh and i guess like even a yeah, you know, it's a national shutdown, right? But then it trickles down and like you were saying, it's a community-based thing, but also in terms of Maine, um how would that I uh, and I know this isn't necessarily your your area of expertise, but um if you want to go take it wherever you really want, community or or Maine in, as a state, right? Um how would that how would that look any specifics in terms of
11: um the state? Well, because it's a federal um, issue it's mostly federal employees that are affected but there's you know over 11,000 federal employees that call Maine home so and moreover thinking about those uh, food assistance programs you know there's there's tens of thousands of Mainers that are on that so it's both I don't know that Maine uh, experiences an asymmetric effect in that way but all of these employees would either be furloughed or essential employees being asked to work with delayed pay or pay coming from reserves. Economy wide, I don't think there's been, uh, you know, on the one hand, federal spending's huge; it's like a quarter of U.S. GDP. But these shutdowns tend to be fairly short-lived and really haven't affected markets greatly. Like there wasn't a huge huge movement in the stock market as this, you know, impending shutdown kind of loomed. Um, It obviously reduces growth. There's less in the labor force, you know, less people being active. So it's a headwind for the U.S. economy, but not something that I think analysts were super worried about. Um, Even, but, you know, even if its GDP is 0.02 percent lower, you know, that translates to billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. And obviously the longer it lasts, the more damage it inflicts. Uh, and, and, and when, the, when that goes on, it's probably the, the leader that looks like the biggest loser politically. It probably weigh on Biden. Mm.
1: Yeah. When, when uh, that, that kind of tension you were talking about before with, you know, it's, it's a strategy, right. To, to get certain things passed. It's a strategy to make a statement from a governmental st- standpoint right but the people that it affects you're really trying to play like think about that right like the the cost benefits of pulling a move like that right so um,
11: yeah yeah and when you're thinking about strategy that's that's really where i kind of come at this problem so you know there's people in my department who could probably better speak to the public finance like sam Gunter's is a extraordinary economist she studies public finance and ben sheridan t- does poverty and food insecurity there's you know philosophers who look at the moral kind of considerations and the government department has american politics specialists but i really think about this um as a game and i don't mean in a playful or frivolous way um i'm thinking about game theory Mm. which studies very serious situations like war conflict Competition in concentrated markets. My expertise is actually in auctions, but even biologists use game theory to think about, like, how species might interact. And the comparison that these kind of lead-ups in a shutdown are, are the comparison that game theorists often draw is the game of chicken, um, which, you know, you probably have some image in your mind of those old movies from the 50s, like... Um, James Dean is driving in a car towards a cliff with someone else, and it's, you know, who jumps out of the car first? Uh, Whoever jumps out first is the chicken. Or, um, you know, two cars are approaching each other, and do they swerve or do they continue to go straight? And these games, you know, they have, you know, when Republicans and Democrats are the ones buckled into the seatbelts with their feet on the gas, they could have catastrophic Mm -hmm. outcomes. Um, and so I think a lot of people look at this shutdown from the outside and think this is crazy. What are they doing? But, you know, the incentives underlying a game like chicken can really help illuminate why a model is useful. And, um, and you worry about things like exogenous shocks. Like in those instances I was talking about, you know, with the James Dean, I forgot who he's racing against, but the guy's coat gets caught in the door and he can't get out of the car or. There's a Kevin Bacon scene where his shoelaces get tra- caught in the tractor pedal. Um, so there can really be things kind of outside the system that that go wrong and, and can create real havoc on top of what's already a real stressful situation primed for catastrophe. Hmm.
1: Dire words there when we have 30 seconds left here. <laughs> uh, I don't know if if there's any positives or whatever but um if you if you want to end this in in any way um maybe looking ahead again 44 days 43 going on now um till we have to you know till this next extension ends so um,
11: um okay well let me say that you know because these things are getting so common via continuing resolutions or shutdowns you get more and more data on them right and so in a world that's increasingly responsive to data-driven arguments, you just hope that people start to realize that shutdown strategies never seem to work. In fact, it almost backfires. You know, those disgruntled factions often go down. Um, and, you know, what's what seems to be common is that they're often driven by these absolutists, these extremists unwilling to compromise and feel that everyone should suffer because they can't get their way. And I don't think they fare well afterwards. So mm-hmm. hopefully we'll learn from that.
1: Thank you. Uh, professor, Associate professor, professor of Economics, Timothy Hubbard, thank you for joining us on WMHB. Hope to talk Thanks to you for soon. Me. Of course.
12: All right. Thanks. All right, bye. bye.
1: And we'll be back soon on WMHB. Stay tuned for the newscast after
3: this. We all play a role in keeping our community safe.
6: Every day, we move in and out of each other's busy lives. It's easy to take for granted
2: all the little moments that make up our everyday.
3: Some are good, others not so much.
8: But that's life.
3: It's when something doesn't seem quite right that it's time to pay attention.
8: Because only you know what's not supposed to be in your everyday.
0: So protect your everyday.
8: If you see something suspicious, say something to local
9: authorities.
0: News,
1: sports, traffic, weather. Live from WMHB Waterville, it's the Mayflower Hill Newscast. Good afternoon, this is Christian Gobo. And Andy Lipton. With the Mayflower Hill Newscast for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Colby students are now able to change their living conditions. WMHB correspondent Alina Majarova reports students living in adapted dorms can now choose whether or not to move into a more spacious room
2: out of adapted spaces and into regular dorm rooms. Associate Dean of Housing and Residential Education Dan Klein says de-adapting is possible because students change their semester plans.
3: What happens though is over the summer people end up transferring. They'll either let us know that they're transferring or they don't. It really is dependent on the student. Students are taking leaves of absences for various different reasons. Maybe study abroad has come through. And so what we start to see is what we call melt um, or the decrease in total number. Of students.
2: Forced dormitories de-adapted in the spring last year. More students changed their semester plans this year which opened up dormitory space. While many students choose to de-adapt, Klein says a good amount choose to stay with their current roommates.
3: The space itself when they move in might not feel exactly like they wanted to based on size but when you get to know the people that you're living with, when you make the space your own, and you make it your home away from home, chances are that's going to be a much Uh, more significant influencing factor for students as to whether or not they want to be there.
2: Adapted spaces come with their own set of challenges and the Office of Campus Life aims to ease this pressure off of students. This has been Alina Madyarova for WMHB News.
0: There will be a series of events this month for homeschooled children in Waterville. The Waterville Public Library will be hosting Homeschooled Hub for kids pre-K through elementary grade every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Each event will feature various activities, and this week, this week will be a library tour and interview. Other weeks will include Legos, paper pumpkin crafts, and Halloween bingo. Those seeking more information can reach out to the Waterville Public Library.
1: Changes will be coming to the storage space on Colby's campus. WMHB correspondent Alina Majarova reports trunk rooms are overwhelmed and will be cleaned out this year.
2: Storage spaces are going to look different this year. Associate Dean of Housing and Residential Education, Dan Klein, says that trunk rooms are essential and have been overcrowded for far too long.
3: There are boxes and books and things like that, um, furniture, futons, things that shouldn't be necessarily there uh, that are taking valuable space from students who maybe are from other countries or from further travel where a car might prevent the ability to get boxes to and from. and storage space at local area storage vendors might be too cost prohibitive
2: items that did not fit in the trunk rooms have spilled over into the bike rooms
3: our bike rooms have become trunk rooms part two which has been incredibly challenging because students are asking for bike storage and they want to know where they can store their bikes inside the residence hall
2: facility services has partnered with the housing department to clean out the trunk rooms but this also requires a member of the campus life team
3: Christina Latour, our new Assistant Director of Housing Operations, which you might have seen emails from, uh, about these processes, has been really leading the charge and helping us say, what do we need to do, how do we need to do it, how do we organize that message, and then how do we move forward?
2: Removing students' items from chunk rooms is a labor-intensive but necessary task.
3: We've been cleaning those out, uh, encouraging students with belongings there to be able to clear that out before we go in, but then to be able to repurpose them back to what they were originally meant for.
2: New changes across residential housing have been possible because of recent upgrades in the Campus Life team.
3: We've gone from last year at this time, just me as the sole person in our office doing all of our residence life and housing and working with our fantastic student leaders, area residence directors, and community community advisors to do what we need to, to now having multiple folks in our office. So to have a team here to think through that is incredibly
2: important. The Campus Life office is expanding, and they are looking forward to helping students find comfort in their living spaces. This has been Alina Madyarova for WMHB News.
0: Taking a look at other news, this year is continuing to be a record-breaking weather year. Yesterday was the hottest day ever recorded in Augusta on October 3rd. Temperatures reached 85 degrees, which exceeded the previous record of 79 degrees in 1983. The temperature also tied with 1954 for the highest temperature ever recorded on the month of October. The weather is expected to return to more seasonally typical temperature as the week progresses.
1: This year's National Emergency Alert Test is over. At 2.20 p.m. today, an emergency notification test was sent throughout the country over a period of 30 minutes. The public warning system is designed to allow the president to speak to the American people in the event of a crisis within the span of 10 minutes. Radio and television received alerts in addition to cell phones, which received text-based notifications. The last nationwide test was on October 11th, sorry, August 11th, 2021, and under federal law, the next test will have to be conducted within three years. WMHB news time is 4.38. We'll be back with weather on WMHB.
11: La misión de St. Jude es aumentar la sobrevida de pacientes que tienen cáncer pediátrico. Hoy en día estamos curando más del 80% de los pacientes y por eso continuar con donaciones es muy importante para que St. Jude siga podiendo hacer descubrimientos que van a hacer un gran impacto en los pacientes y la familia
12: no solo en Estados Unidos, pero alrededor del mundo. St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Para más información, visita stjude.org/español.
11: No matter who we are or where we come from, we all experience difficulties in life.
9: Military veterans
1: know that sometimes it takes strength and determination to make it through.
0: Whether it's physical challenges or struggles on the inside, it takes strength
3: to ask for help when you need it. Learn how veterans like us have reached out for help
11: and hear stories of strength and recovery at MakeTheConnection.net.
1: WMHB news time is 440.
0: It's currently 82 degrees in Waterville. And now your WHB local weather forecast for Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. Today is sunny and warm with a high of 82 degrees. Tonight it's going to be partially cloudy with a low of 56. And tomorrow there's going to be a high of 72 and a low of 57 with low clouds and fog. For the long range, expect a Tropical Storm Philippe passing through the area Saturday and into Sunday night, bringing rain and a bit of flooding. That's news and weather. This has been Christian Gobo and Andy Lipton for 89.7 WHB Waterville.
11: For some people, difficult transitions like retirement, divorce, or loss of a loved one may contribute to feelings of hopelessness or even thoughts of suicide. The risk of suicide is even higher for men over 50 who've served our country. Guys like me. Support from friends and family makes such a big difference. Every day, your actions could help save a life. Learn how you can help at VeteransCrisisLine.net.
1: We're back on the WMHB Mayflower Hill News Hour. It's Andy and Christian, and we bring you now a feature, a package from reporter Angelica Wang at the Common Ground Fair two weekends ago when she spoke to somebody. Somebody there. Stay tuned.
9: Um, hello, this is... Angelica, it's Saturday, September twenty third, twenty twenty three. It's two thirty eight p.m. right now. Um, I am at the uh, Common Ground Fair, and uh, may I have your name? My name is Marianne Portman. Thank you, Marianne. Um, would you like to give us some details about why you're here today?
7: Sure. So I am one of our team of 11 people that coordinate in the children's area. We like to say that we're the fair within the fair. Um, and um, I've been coordinating for 17 years. I started off uh, my first year at the fair. Um, I was just visiting, and then the next year I said I'd help out, and I became a coordinator. So most people grow up with the fair, and they know how to do things. And I kind of learned the backwards way. Um, and I've been coordinating... In the fair, um, working in the children's area, which I love because there's just so much excitement going on. So, wow, 17 years. That's amazing. Um, So how do you think the fair has changed, like, over the years that you've been here? Um, So, number one, we've grown in size. It's much bigger each year. Uh, More and more people are hearing about us, and they're coming. Um, In my area, I can have 50 volunteers alone at any time working with the children that are in our area. I think also one of the things I would say is that we have stayed very mission-driven. We are really about people experiencing um, this place in a unique way, and also being able to take with them resources, experiences, so that when they get home, they can live the fair at home, too. Wow, that's
9: amazing.
7: So, I guess, what is something that you really
9: hope people would take away from the fair? Like maybe
7: like kid's to keep your love, The your kids, hands, I hope that you you they see them best best themselves best in the environment, the environment that they're, they're in, in and that there's so many unique ways to be um, out in the outside, um, that there's more than just being inside a house. We have hay jumping. We have nail banging. We have hula hooping. We have a woods where you can go and make bread on a stick. So I hope when they get home they feel adventurous and want to do those things at home and um, wherever home is and how they can incorporate that. Um, and I also hope that people um, come to the fair and know that no matter what they, who they see themselves as, that there's a place here for them. Wow, thank you, that's
9: beautiful. Um, so, just like for funsies, what is your favorite part of the fair? What would you really recommend people go to?
7: So, my favorite part of the fair is eating a meal at the Common Kitchen. Um, it's organic food and the food is donated by farmers in our area um, and we have a staff of people that make the most amazing things and we sit at long tables so you get to know someone that you, you might not um, have worked with them. They sit down next to you and you have wonderful conversation. I have a fair family so there are people I only see once a year um, and we're busy during the day But when we sit down and we have that meal together it's amazing. So I would say volunteer for a four-hour shift. You get to have a meal, um, and you, you get to have community. That's my favorite part.
9: Awesome. So other than volunteering, we see that there's you know probably a lot of like local farmers, and you know as you mentioned, is there any way that anyone who may visit the fair in the future can like help support everyone who's you know here?
7: Absolutely, so um, MOFCA has list of fairs um, of the farmers and also the vendors, so if you s- can go to their website, you can see who is here and supporting them by buying their products and services keeps the fair going all year round. Wow, awesome. Sorry, just to clarify, what's MOFCA? The main organic farmers and gardeners, that's who puts on this common ground fair. Thank you so much for your clarification, um, I think, is there any final thoughts? Just that if people haven't gone to the fair and they're in Maine, um, that they should come and check it out. I think there's something here for everybody. And if you're not in Maine, get to Maine so you can come to the fair. Thank you so much.
1: Angelica Wang at the Common Ground Fair.
12: athletics
6: to the nfl
1: the mayflower hill newscast continues with wmhb sports we're back on the mayflower hill news hour it's time now
10: for the colby sports reel with gavin rothenberg thank you guys for having me this week let's start it out on the gridiron with football despite the recent injury of quarterback miles drake the mules defeated bates 30 to 24 this past saturday making it five straight wins against them Keon Smart had an absolute monster game, winning Nescak Player of the Week with his 263 scrimmage yards and three touchdowns. Another strong performance for the Mules was linebacker Julian Young with 13 total tackles. They moved to 1-2 on the season and will face undefeated Wesley in this Saturday at home. This game will have serious implications for the rest of the season. Field hockey split a doubleheader this weekend as they fell to Tufts 2-0 and defeated Hawson University 6-2. Casey Winslow and Lillianne Kistner scored two goals apiece in the win against Hudson. The Mules move to 3-6 and six and have a double doubleheader with Middlebury and Hamilton this upcoming weekend. The women's volleyball team had a very busy weekend with three games. They were bested by Trinity and Wesleyan on Saturday and Sunday, but bounced back on Monday with a win against Brandeis. The freshman class is continuing to show strong performances, as first-year Brady Mosley stood out with 18 kills and 13 digs in the 3-1 win on Monday. After this weekend, Colby has fallen to third place in the NESCAC volleyball rankings, and they look to keep the strong season going on Friday against Tufts. Moving on to the soccer pitch, women's soccer tied Tufts 1-1 on Saturday. Caroline O'Neill scored early for the Jumbos in the 7th minute, and freshman defender Sammy DeWitt evened the score late in the 77th minute. They also have an upcoming doubleheader against Middlebury and Hamilton. Finally, men's soccer fell in a heartbreaker to Tufts 3-2. The Mules fell down 3-0 but, ma- but mounted a comeback, cutting the deficit to just one goal, however, they couldn't finish it off and ended with a loss. They responded well, though, with a 3-0 win against Hassan, in which Luke Pentaikas' goal in the 45th minute started the mules out, and it was, it was all Colby from there. I actually had the privilege to speak to freshman defender Charlie Scott about his soccer experience at Colby so far. What would you say is the biggest adjustment so far from high school soccer to college soccer? Um,
5: probably just the physicality. Um, you have to be way fitter to play and... The guys are a lot stronger and faster. Like, everyone uh, in college was the best
10: best player on their club team or high school team, so I'd probably say that's the biggest adjustment. What would you say, like, the team's mindset is right now after a long doubleheader weekend going into a game on Saturday? Um, I
5: think we're super The team this
10: that. year has had it. The team this year has had a, a strong effort from a lot of freshmen, including you, that have gotten a lot of playing time. What's that been like to be out on the field with a lot of the other freshmen? Is the, the chemistry there with the older guys? Has it been nice to build chemistry quickly with some of the younger guys too? What are your thoughts?
5: Yeah, I think we had a lot of time in preseason to kind of build that chemistry. Um, I think the freshmen on our team have played a huge role, and the upperclassmen have definitely like guided us um, to the roles we need to play. Um, and it's been super, super fun and super easy to adjust with them there.
10: That'll do it for your weekly sports reel. This has been Gavin Rothenberg, and I'm sending it back over to Christian.
1: Thank you, Gavin. We turn now to uh, a tape from CMI's performance two weekends ago, their Saturday Night Live performance. This is all to a cover of All Too Well by Taylor Swift. Stay with us on the WMHP Mayflower Hill News Hour. Thank you. Colby's Title IX policies may be seeing some changes in the coming months. Sexual violence and Title IX coordinator Emily Schusterbauer says the college is waiting for the Biden administration's Title IX regulations to be announced.
8: Usually when the regulations come down, then there is a, a fair amount of time to come into compliance with them.
1: Schusterbauer is interested to see if the hearing portion of the Title IX process changes under Biden's new regulations. Before the Trump administration, an investigation was conducted by an outside investigator, a report was filed, and a panel of faculty made a decision over whether a Title IX policy had been violated or not. The Trump administration changed this process by adding an additional step.
8: Now, like, Trump required this hearing, and so basically it's like students have to go through the whole investigation, and then they also have to participate in this live hearing where there's not a lot of new evidence that's introduced. It's kind of rehashing things. And I think for students, that feels really traumatizing in some ways. And so that's one, like those pieces of the process, that's what I would keep my eye on is like, are we still gonna have to have the hearing? Are we gonna be able to sort of pare that down? That I think the, the process changes, I think would be the biggest changes for us.
1: Schusterbauer speculates that the hearing portion and time frame for the investigation may change when new policies are eventually announced.
8: I think there might be a chance that that the hearing requirement is taken out because that wasn't required under um, Obama. And then I also another thing that um, I suspect could change only based on sort of Biden's affiliation with Obama is the 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 time frame for conducting the formal investigation. So under Obama, it, the col- colleges had 60 days to do that process. And Trump pulled that requirement and said like, you know, in a reasonable time frame. but as we all know, reasonable, like that, that's a wide open phrase. And so that I think is something else that we could see as well. And I'm basing that mostly on sort of some c- critique of Title Line that I've heard from Biden, the Biden administration, but also just kind of thinking about what was issued under o- Obama. Yeah.
1: The Biden regulations are still under review and are expected to be announced later this month, although that deadline might be pushed further back. This has been Christian Gobo with the Spotlight on Title IX. Recapping our top stories, students are encouraged to scan QR codes on malfunctioning laundry machines and report them.
0: The Colby 2027 SGA is looking to reach out more to the Waterville community.
1: The men and women's crew teams will take place in the Quinsing- Mid Snake Regatta in Worcester, Mass., at 9 a.m. And that's been another edition of the program. This has been Christian Andy with the Mayflower Hill News Hour.